It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, are you looking for a show with no spin, with no jazz, without all the noise? Well, welcome. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. If you're looking for that type of show and that type of action and some straight out real talk, real news, real Bible conversation, you have made it to the right podcast. Body of Christ Real Talk is for you. Love you all. Peace out. Stay tuned for Body of Christ Real Talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all my USFA listeners and all my international listeners. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to the show today. All right. I've been pondering and pondering and thinking and thinking and, you know, and uh, been kind of somewhat openly meditating. Uh about the the subject. Now, it wasn't so much about the topic because I'm going to continue on the topic of where I left off on uh, over three days ago when I was uh, telling you about uh, this program on television had a, ran a survey on young people falling away from the church or leaving the church or leaving the faith and then I got into other things and I got into uh, what what is a believer compared to a Christian? What is the concept of a believer compared to a Christian? So I got into that type of concept. Now for the listeners that have been listening to the program, you know, you know about that and I uh, I really appreciate if you pass it and share it with others. But for my newbies or the ones just tuning in to this show, you know, uh, you will have to go back to the last three uh, previous programs to see what I was talking about in uh, the breakdown about the survey with the youngsters and leaving the faith and stuff like that. Or not explain my definition of leaving the faith or what could be one of the possibilities why young people don't attend church or they're somewhat leaving the faith I break that down I'm not going to do that now because I'm going to move on so if you want to hear more about that which I think you will get a lot from I just ask you or recommend you to go back to the last previous podcast to listen to those last three or four previous podcasts okay all right now what I want to talk about today I want to talk about the term Christianity, and also I want to talk about, uh, continue on the term body of Christ. But what I'm going to get to more in not so much detail of breaking down how, how it started, but just uh, for the layman that's listening to this and just for my unsaved listeners and or someone that's new in the faith, if you want more detail and more biblical Bible teaching, uh, you, I would recommend that you go to Connecting the Dots by Joseph Brownlee, me as well. I have another podcast called Connecting the Dots. Go there. It's a Bible study, Bible teaching show. So if you want to get more deep and more details about what I'm going to 
uh, teach today basically if you want detail how it started and a breakdown of the different dispensations etc or different subjects only pertaining to the Bible no world events just strictly the word of God I advise you to go to connecting the dots as anybody that's listening that's already in the faith now you welcome to just listening to this as well because all of this help you this podcast this show is basically looking at a biblical uh, looking at things in a biblical or through a Christian or a believer lens about worldly events and you know and your day to day life and stuff like that what's happening around you in your in, in your area, in your city, in your state, or in your country. So, you know, it's just worldly events. I do a lot of topics on different subjects. So it's just more transparent and more uh, topics concerning in everything, a lot of things going on around the world. You see what I'm saying? So it's more, it's more it's almost like a, a news station. I give you a lot of awareness, so I give you updates of what's going on around you, uh, uh, you know, that you may... You probably had no idea that was happening around you. I don't care if it's uh, health. I don't care if it's uh, light politics. I don't care if it's entertainment. I don't care if it's just crime. I don't care if it's just whatever. I talk about all that, all those topics, then I bring it and I do a Christian or a believer's lens and give it a, a biblical perspective on this show. Now, what I want to talk about now, which is very, very Important because many people, not only believers, you know, but many people are uh, in general need to understand the concept of the gospel and what must you do to be saved. Now, I I, I, I talked about that quite a bit on a few uh, topics on this uh, show, but I like to just bring it back up again just in case someone new is listening to my show. But uh, for the newbies, I want you to understand if you ever read the Bible and these are for new believers as well, you know, all believers and all unsaved people that's listening to me. Uh, if he was brought up in the church, whatever, whatever domination, denomination it was, I'm not going to get into that now. I got into that before, so I'm not going to keep, you know, dwelling on that. But if he was brought up in a church building for the ones that want to know why I'm saying church building because I, I, the church is the body of Christ that's the church the spiritual church is the body of Christ okay not to, you know it's through definitions of church and the Bible in the word of God through definitions of church church just mean ecclesia or assembly that's all church mean assembly so you could say assembly instead of church it's not going to hurt nothing you know, but that's what church mean assembly of believers. Church mean ecclesia assembly. You know, that's the church. So when you hear me say church, I'm going to be specific. If I'm talking, I'm letting you know I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, the assembly, or a church gathering or a church building that you go to, a denominational church building that you gather at. You have the body of Christ believers that's gathering in a church building. So I, I will be breaking down which one I'm talking about, but. If he was brought up in a church gathering and uh, you heard the salvation message, I want you to really, if you can remember anyone that's listening to me, say to yourself, saved or unsaved, believer or whatever, this would help you a lot. This will even help people to really find out if they really saved or not. Okay, so this is very important. 
what message of the gospel did you hear? Now, you remember, gospel means good news. Gospel as in salvation. I'm not talking about the four gospels, the story of Jesus on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and Luke and John. Yes, there was salvation in that message, but I'm going to get to that later. I'm just talking about the gospel of salvation. What is the gospel of salvation? Uh, think about that. What message do you, did you hear, grow up hearing, that was the gospel of salvation? Okay, I want you to really think about that. That will get you, uh, that will get you saved. Or the old term that we used to uh, use back in the day, you know, <clears throat> are you saved? And this is how you get saved and stuff like that. You know, what message do you remember that you heard in your church, even if it wasn't specifically one on one individually to you? You heard a message of salvation. Many believers and unbelievers have, you know, many believers got saved on this or somewhat saved on that message. And uh, put that in your head. Just just think about that. Just just think about that. What is the gospel of salvation to you to you think about that when you listen it you can write it down or you just whatever just think about the gospel of salvation or why do you think you are saved do you think you are saved because of that gospel of salvation did you get it from the bible or you was taught this was the way to be saved okay now I'm not a psychic I don't read minds, <laughs> so I wanted to get that out there. But data shows and traditionally shows that the majority of the people that heard the gospel message of salvation, I have no doubt, eight times out of ten, I'm going to give you a benefit of the doubt, eight times out of ten, I believe, and I don't think I'll be wrong either. The majority of the people that heard the salvation salvation message or was brought up in the salvation salvation message, the majority of people uh, salvation was basically based on something they had to do. Works. Something you had to do. I'm going to get into different definitions of uh, altar calls and salvation calls have to do with works, right? Something you have to do to be saved physically. I'm talking about. Yeah, some of them is is, is verbally, but something you have to do it. You have to take an action for salvation. You have to do something, you know, for salvation. And I I have no doubt the majority of the people that was was called to the altar about salvation the majority of their salvation came from Old Testament as the four gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke and John now some came from Acts 2.38 as well but my point is, is most uh, the majority of I believe the salvation uh, the way to be saved and the format what you need to say or do has something to do with the kingdom program, the gospel of salvation. Majority of the churches believe the kingdom way, and you don't even know what I'm going, understand where I'm going, but the kingdom way of the gospel of salvation it was the way to be saved. Now, 
let me give you a definition what I mean by you know and see does this uh does this click when I see the kingdom way of being saved okay this is what I mean right there and then I'm getting a traditional man made way that's not in the bible you know but I'm just the mostly the mo, the majority of churches denominational churches way of salvation like I said is something you have to do or has to do with works it have to do with works okay now you go to Acts 2, 2 and 38 repenting of your sins is one of the top ones up there repent you have to repent of your sins and the definition of repenting that we was taught growing up in the church was 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 believed that was uh, taught in a way for us to believe repenting mean repent of your sins. You need to stop sinning. Repent. We was taught repent mean, you know, we need to stop sinning. Now they didn't write it on paper when I was growing up, but that's what repent was throughout there. Like it meant you had to stop sinning. Repent of your sin was uh, definition. Bringing up was meant uh, stop sinning. You need to stop sinning. Okay, or you need to confess your sins for salvation. Okay, you had to repent. You had to confess your sins. You had to be baptized in water. Most churches believe salvation is not fulfilled until you do those things. Baptize in water. Okay, you had to do that format for salvation so you had to believe who Jesus was I forgot to say that believe in Jesus Christ to make him Lord of your life or make him your savior you had to do those things first believe who he was because it's a waste of time if you didn't believe that first believe who Jesus was you had to confess your sins or you had to repent the way they thought repent me repent of your sins and a lot of churches especially Baptist churches believed in baptized and a Pentecostal you have to be baptized in water and then later on down the line you have to just pray and you have to ask for to be filled with the Holy Spirit it was a format and now this format I'm talking about now is mostly was uh, taught in the Pentecostal and the Charismatics type of churches. I can speak on those a lot. I can't speak on the other ones, but I'm going to get into all the broadness. Even they have some type of format. Okay? That's the majority of the churches of how to be saved. Confess your sins. When they tell you to come into the altar, all of you struggling with sins and you've been not living for God and you you know you want to change your life, you'll say everything was mostly dwell on stop sinning. Correct? Confess your sins, repenting of your sins. We all was mostly in the Pentecostal charismatic churches was uh, brought up that way. OK, you don't understand what I mean by charismatic. Charismatics mean charismatics mostly deal with signs, wonders and miracles and stuff like that. And a lot of prosperity and stuff like that. That's what I mean by charismatic. They mostly in the signs, wonders, healings and stuff like that, you know. So that's what I mean by it. they deal with the gifts a lot. Pentecostal, but most a lot of charismatics always deal in the gifts of the spirit. So they talk about a lot about the gifts of the spirit. That's what I mean by charismatic church. Well, anyway, you was mostly called. You was the mo- the majority of us was called to the altar and told we could be saved that way when it came to salvation. 
believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, do all that, accepting the Lord, you know, you know, believe in who Jesus was, repent of your sins, be baptized in water, and then you have to tarry or you have to just whatever, wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Most churches, most churches, when I was growing up in the church, you know, taught, uh, taught us that's the way to be saved. Okay, now, what do they get that format from? That format is the gospel of the kingdom way of being, uh, of being saved. Okay, that's the way you were, not you. I'm just you. I'm just using that term. You. That's the way they got saved. The the uh, the Jews got saved. Then that's what they had to do. Now I'm excluding the law. See, all this is under the law. I'm beginning to some things that you probably never heard before, but it is the Bible, but I'm going to make it plain and simple. Okay. That way of salvation is the gospel. It's a gospel. It's a gospel for salvation. Gospel of salvation. Okay. Most churches go that way. And then you have the also a traditional way that uh, that's not so much in the Bible, you know, word by word way to be saved is, you know, the sinner's prayer. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Looking for something different this Thanksgiving? Take your family to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Just minutes from I-95 with free admission and parking. This is the perfect holiday outing for families of every size. You'll love the flight and tank simulators, 300-degree theater, and interactive training center. And you'll come face-to-face with rare and never-before-seen artifacts from Army history. It's all at the National Army Museum, with shopping and dining, too. Open on Thanksgiving Day and all weekend long. Plan your visit at usarmymuseum.org. You ever heard that term? The sinner's prayer. You know, Lord, I confess my sins and I'm da da da. I mean, I didn't say that. I, I, I haven't said that in so long. I forgot the format of the sinner's prayer. But it's basically just saying, you know, you've asked the Lord to forgive you for all your sins. I'm a sinner, Lord. Forgive me for my sins. Past, present, and future. So everybody had a different format. Many people made up, of, even myself back then, of way of saying something like that when I when I kept going to the altar, uh, somewhat confessing my sins. So basically, you wanted to invite the Lord in your life. That was one way to make the Lord in your life. Lord, be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Save me. See, wasn't so much emphasis on baptized in water or nothing like that it was Lord coming to my heart see it's different way people say you know the gospel to them or the way I be saved the, the way the way they way the way they was taught on how let me get my words out take your time Joe the, the way they was taught on how to be saved it depends what church or what denomination you was in, but, but the majority of them have somewhat of the same type of format about salvation, you know, <clears throat> you know, and stuff like that, you know. A lot of, then you, you know, 
that way I just mentioned, confess your sins, is the famous Billy Graham type of altar call of coming up to the altar, confessing your sins, you know, Romans 10, that type of way. So Romans 10 type of salvation, you know, confess your sins unto the Lord or whatever like that, you know, if you believe in your heart, thou shalt be, you know, saved and stuff like that. That's confessing your sins and walking up to the altar, you know, the way to be saved. All you got to do is believe that Jesus is your Lord. You know, believing or whatever like that. You know, they might even mention his death, burial, resurrection. I'm not saying they don't. You know, and you will be saved. Come up to the altar, but it's usually number one: repent, confess your sins first. Whether you believe he was your savior or you believe he's your savior based on his death, burial, resurrection, you know what you believe yourself, how you got saved. Believe me, when I get through, it's going to help you out. It might scare a few of you, but it's going to help you out. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get you back on track. And uh, how to be saved. That's the traditional way. Now, those traditional ways been gone for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, after the Apostle Paul died, uh, the gospel was kind of twisted. It started off the gospel that Paul teached or taught was the way at first and all of a sudden it got sidetracked by the enemy. It got sidetracked and it went back into the kingdom type of message of salvation or how, how to be saved. Okay. I forgot what year it was, 1800 or something, I believe, you know. I remember Cersei was saying that, Trey Cersei. But it, it started going back to the kingdom way of salvation. And ever since, ever since, salvation always has something to do with confessing your sins, repenting and stuff like that, the gospel of salvation. What also came without salvation, you had faith by works. That meant in order. This was the catch to the salvation even back then. It is the gospel. The only way this salvation was not assured. What do you mean by that? This salvation was not guaranteed that you was going to have it all the time. You can lose this type of salvation then, the gospel. Even back then in the four gospels, you can lose your salvation. You had to endure. And that's what a lot of churches got there from. You have to keep confessing your sins. You have to keep repenting of your sins or you can lose your salvation. You have even people that will tell you a person that died without confessing their sins, they're going to hell. You even have that. So it's all about confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, confessing your sins. A lot of you are familiar with this and you probably do believe that way now. It keeps your uh, eggshells, you know. I hear people saying this. I hope I'm living right before the Lord come give me. Now, a lot of them believe in the catching the weight. They believe in the rapture, but they are still uh, works, sin conscious and works minded of holding on to their salvation. So they're basing everything on themselves. You see what I'm saying? They're basing everything on performance to hold on to your salvation. That's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Some of it got so bad it, it became dogmatic. For instance, 
the Inquisitions. You ever heard of the Inquisitions back in, you know, the Catholic uh, Inquisitions, the evil popes and all that stuff? You know, they were straight out works. They persecuted anybody. They became dogmatic. That type of salvation was added by man's tradition. They start adding different man's traditions. They start bringing idols up in there and different things like that. It got warped. And in order for you to be saved, you have to confess it to the popes. You have to confess it to different people and stuff like that that was in the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church limited the outside people that wasn't part of the Catholic Church of reading and understanding the Bible. They didn't want you to read and what the Bible was saying because they want you to be under them, under their authority. And the Inquisition done a lot of evil things. They had people murdered. They tortured people. You know, it was a dictatorship, the Inquisition and everything. But their gospel was the same way. It was the kingdom gospel added by added with man's traditions to keep your salvation. You had to do this. You had to have good church attendance. You had to do this. You had to confess your sins. What I'm saying, basically everything was based on confessing your sins. Every time you sin, you have to confess it. But you have to go to them and then lay on down the line. That's what they got that priest thing from you. Purgatory and all that. They start bringing up names and all kind of stuff. You have to go to the priest. The priest became your father. They believe that Peter, when Jesus gave the keys to Peter for the kingdom, they traditionally made that as Peter being the first pope. And the keys be passed to each pope that's in Catholicism or the Catholic Church. Okay, so all that was works. Then you have the Lutherans, you have the... A lot of people, a lot of famous Bible teachers and so-called Christians, I can't, I don't know if they're real Christians or not. I don't know if I see them in heaven, whatever, I don't know. But their gospel message was always based on the kingdom way of being saved. Back then, adding man's traditions. You, you understand what I'm saying? They was preaching a true gospel, no doubt. The Acts 2 and 38 gospel. That was the gospel they was preaching, but they added a few man-made traditions to it. See? Now, okay. So basically, that, that, that was the gospel. You know, and it depends what's the denomination, but it was always something come up to the altar. The number one thing was always you have to confess your sins. You got to remind God that you're a sinner. It's, yeah, like he don't know already. You, you know, I didn't think about that, but it's like God don't know you're, you're a sinner. God knows when you're going to sin before you sin and what day you're going to sin or what second and everything. But you, I, I done put two and two together then. You have to go to God and just confess. God loves when you just open with him and just let you know that you're a sinner. You know, you hear, I heard those things like that. I'm not saying everybody, but I heard a lot of things when it came to salvation. Okay, so it depends what surroundings and what denominational church is going. Okay, you look at family churches. If you grew up Pentecostal or Baptist and you had a lot of fiery preachers in that then, what was the main uh, way to be saved? What? Stop sinning. And they called your names back then. You know, you had to confess or repent of your sins or you're going to hell. You're going to hell and damnation. That fiery type of preaching. 
You know, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Now, basically, I'm not talking about the, the charismatics or what they believed in when it came to that. I'm just going to stick to the gospel of salvation so you can know the difference. Then I'm going to bring it home. And that's the, ba the main message of salvation, even today, is confessing your sins. Correct? You have to repent and confess your sins. So I'm letting you know that type of salvation is true. Not the man-made traditions they added to it. Not all that other man-made uh, uh, gook that they added to it. The kingdom gospel is believing who Jesus was. Believing he was the Messiah. Believe he was that coming king. Now this is one of this is the gospel of the kingdom. Listen closely. You had to believe if he was living in that time in Israel. You had to believe who Jesus was. Why, Joe? Because Jesus was prophesied by the past prophets of his coming to save his people Israel from their mess, from their sins. Why? They was going to be used to go out to the other nations and tell them a good, the good news about Jesus himself. Jesus did not come to go straight to the whole world first under the kingdom program. He came straight to Israel. He came as a Jew. See? He came to Israel to deliver Israel from their mess to get them prepared as priests to go out to the rest of the world but it's going everything had to be started in Israel and Judea and Jerusalem first they had to get themselves together before they was able or allowed to go out to the other nations which was the Gentile nations so the gospel they had they in other words they was looking for this messiah why because this Messiah, this king was prophesied thousands of years before then, you know, through the prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Daniel, you know, it was prophesied. They knew this coming Messiah is going to come and set up a new kingdom. They knew that. They knew this Messiah was going to come, you know, they knew that. So they was looking for their king and their Messiah. See, even though he didn't get accepted by the majority of Israel, especially the leaders, they was looking for the Messiah. So they knew their Messiah and their king was foretold to come. That's what they was looking for. See, that's what they was looking for. So they knew he was coming. They knew, but they didn't know when. If they would have followed and understood the prophecies that Daniel talked about and everything and followed that to the T, they would have knew that that day when the Messiah would have stepped on scene. They would have knew that, but evidently a lot of them didn't follow the exact day. And I'm not saying all of them, you know, but they was also confused about his coming too, between him setting up the kingdom and him being this Jesus, just talking about, you know, the uh, Sermon on the Mount and healing people and talking about love and, and everything like that. So it was so much confused a lot of confusion with the people of Israel as well. But anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. They knew their Messiah was coming. Now, what must they do? What did they have to do? What did they have to believe? 
They had to believe when he did step on the scene and proclaim that he was the Messiah, they had to believe that he was the one. That's where the issues came in. See, that's when the issues came in. Now, uh, belief in Jesus. This was the way of salvation. This gospel that I'm going to present to you right now is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? For salvation. Remember, I'm just talking about the way to be saved. This is the salvation of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? It's plain and simple as this. You have to believe. What you what did you have to believe? First of all, you have to believe who Jesus was. Period. You had to believe who Jesus was. I had to pause. So pause. Excuse me for that. They had to do that first. Israel had to believe. Had to do that first. And that program when the Messiah came. What else did they have to do? See, now I'm talking about who Jesus was. Let me go back first. Before Jesus even stepped on the scene, who was the forerunner that was also prophesied that was going to come before Jesus? You remember? If you said John the Baptist, correct. Remember Jesus' cousin. They sit their ages six months apart. John the Baptist was also prophesied of being the one in the wilderness foretelling the coming of the Messiah. That's why he had to explain to them he wasn't the one, etc., etc., different things like that. You know, John the Baptist, what did John the Baptist come doing? Was he proclaiming salvation? No, he was proclaiming getting them ready by cleansing them, being baptized in water, getting them prepared as priests. That was John the Baptist, getting them prepared for who? Their coming Messiah. Their coming King. I'm trying to make it very simple for my lay people that's listening to me. Because I don't know who's listening. They they had to get, he had to prepare the Israel for the coming Messiah. So they had to be cleansed, baptized in water. That was under the law. That was one of the requirements. One of the requirements that the Jews had to do. A ritual, a regiment. They had to be baptized in water. Now they always had a cleansing, but the, 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 the name baptized came through John the Baptist. That's why they called him John the Baptist. You know, that famous name came from John the Baptist. They had to be baptized in water for a cleansing, see, for remission of sins. Now, what is the remission of sins? Remission of sins, they had to be cleansed and, and prepared for the sins they already have done. Not their future sins and not their past sins, not all their sins. Now, I'm going to tell you what's, what's going on with that. They have to be baptized and cleansed, Okay. So prepare them for their coming king, prepare them for their coming Messiah. All right. Looking for something different this Thanksgiving? Take your family to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Just minutes from I-95 with free admission and parking. This is the perfect holiday outing for families of every size. You'll love the flight and tank simulators, 300-degree theater, and interactive training center. And you'll come face-to-face -face with rare and never-before-seen artifacts from Army history. It's all at the National Army Museum, with shopping and dining, too. Open on Thanksgiving Day and all weekend long. Plan your visit at usarmymuseum.org. There's only one road into Key West. 
but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. I'm 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 going somewhere. Okay, so when Jesus, their Messiah, finally came, the tough part, the hardest part was believing that he was the one that was coming. All of them knew and was waiting for this great king of Messiah because it was foretold. It was prophesied by the the past prophets all through the word of God, you know, uh, that their Messiah and their king is going to come and deliver them from their oppression and their different, you know, their sins and get them prepared because they're going to be the ones that's going out to the other nations. Uh, but they had to get themselves together first. First, before they, they can go to nobody else, so they, ain't got they, they ain't got themselves together. They had to be cleansed to get themselves together first. You follow what I'm saying? Now, this is the kingdom program. See? So when the king finally came, which is Jesus there, Israel's Messiah and King, what did he come saying? Or doing? Now Isaiah prophesied what this Messiah and his King will be doing. It's all through the book of Isaiah. What he will be doing. So he came exactly doing those things that the uh, the past prophets in those books said that he will be doing in his first coming. And now we're talking about the first coming, what he will be doing, the signs, the miracles, the healing, the sick and stuff like that. Jesus was doing those things. See, he was doing those things. So when he came on the earth the first time. Where did he go? He went to Israel. And that region, just Israel, no other nations, just Israel, no Gentile nations. Okay, he went to Israel to proclaim that he was the Messiah. But the majority of the people did not believe him, that he was and they did not accept him. He wasn't like they was thinking that he want, they wanted him to be or he didn't look to some of the high Pharisees' appearance rise in the book of Isaiah talked about to, that too about his appearance he wasn't nobody that looked at you know royal, like royalty I guess and, and a lot of other Pharisees and the higher upper large or the, the ones that's supposed to be the great intellectuals ones and whatever like that you know he didn't he, I guess he just looked at plain he didn't look like the one he didn't look like no King Solomon let alone David but he most definitely didn't look like no King Solomon I'm paraphrasing now so the majority of Israel did not accept him they did not accept him, so he, he didn't even go out to a lot of them no more. And then I think it's about Matthew 13, I believe, that he started teaching them, the people that was following him, only in parables. He wouldn't even let them know he's the Messiah no more because they was an unbelief. He didn't even deal with that no more. He just started talking to them with parables. Parables is not a definition for them to understand what he's talking about. Parables is a story that they would never be able to comprehend. 
That means he's never he's never telling them fully what he mean. He just left them in limbo and told them parables, and they tried to figure it out and never could. The only ones he exposed what he was saying, you know, not in parables, was his his little flock and the twelve. You see what I'm saying? Was his little flock. And the twelve, he talked to them plainly. They even said that now, Lord, you are talking to us plainly. See, you're not talking to us in parables because it said it's given to the ones. In other words, let me paraphrase. You are willing to believe what I am saying so I can talk to you plainly. That's that's the, that's a, a plain way of saying what Jesus was telling them. See? But the other ones, what? They only came for different reasons. Some of them only followed him just because they was getting fed. Some of them only followed him because they just wanted to be healed. It wasn't because they wanted to get to know who he was. They just wanted something from him. So he, back in Matthew 38, from now on, Jesus was talking to them in parables. He didn't just come out and talk to them straight out what was going on with the kingdom. He talked to them in parables. And just let them figure it out. But if they ever came to him, came with the hunger, didn't want to know who he was, he would have talked to them plainly and they would have understood who he was, where he was coming from. You follow what I'm saying? Okay? That's why he talked to them in parables. To keep them in limbo, to keep them confused. They don't need to know about the fullness of the kingdom of heaven if they not really believe who he was. So why tell them straight out? Because they don't believe it anyway. So he just told them stories and parables. We was taught growing up that a parable means he was breaking down what was going on. No, a parable was just a story that he did not want them to know about the kingdom because they didn't want to know about him anyway. So he told them stories. He told them parables. Okay? You got that together. But the ones that followed him, they believe what? <clears throat> Who he was. They believe that he was their Messiah. What else goes on with that? They believe that he was the son of God. Okay? They believe who he was. They believe he was their promised Messiah. You understand what I'm saying? They believe that. This gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to tell you how you can, you can understand what gospel Jesus preached is plain. I'm going to tell you where to go. Go to the book of Matthew, period, and count how many times Jesus talked about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Just the gospel of the kingdom of heaven about salvation, what Israel must do. Look at the author, look at the people that he was talking to, and look at the message when it came to the kingdom of heaven. I counted. Personally, I heard it before by someone else, but I counted, I like to count things myself. How many times Jesus mentioned the kingdom of heaven? It was over 35 times just in the book of Matthew, more than any other of the three other gospels. The kingdom of heaven is mentioned, I think, over 32 or over 35 times just in the book of Matthew itself. The other gospels mainly said the kingdom of God. Now you might say, what's the difference for kingdom of God? Don't they mean uh, use it interchangeably? Yes, sometimes, but the majority of time. Now let me give you a breakdown of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is everything else. The kingdom of God is ruler over everything. Like I like when Les Felder said it one time, the kingdom of God, you put a circle in the middle. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. And the kingdom of God 
is the all-powerful God over any other things. It's over the kingdom of heaven and it's over the, uh, the, uh, the body of Christ. It's inside the kingdom of God. So when the other gospels mention the kingdom of God, it's interchangeable in a way many already knew he was talking about the kingdom of heaven because that was the message then, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God already arrived. In other words, I'm your king, the kingdom of heaven. See, it was interchangeably, but there is a way to look at that differently. I'm, I'm not going to teach on that right now. It takes a lot of explanation, you know, but the kingdom of heaven was a message mentioned over 32 to 35 times just in the book of Matthew itself. Okay. Now, the kingdom of heaven. Remember that. Now, when it came to believing who he was for salvation, the book and the four gospels you can find that he mentions that more than any other book in the gospel is the book of John. See, the book of John is really based on Jesus. Uh, you ever heard of the term the harmony of the gospels? And they somewhat call uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the synopsis, synopsis gospels because they're somewhat alike. John kind of stands out as mostly dealing with the deity of Christ. The deity of Christ, Son of God, Him God, and believing who He is or believing who He was. So when you read the book of John, that's dealing with the deity of Christ. Jesus being the Son of God, Jesus being a great I am, Jesus being God. You know, it's not mostly dealing with uh, Matthew. Matthew is dealing with Him being Israel's King. That's why it deals with the kingdom of heaven a lot. That's why it's mentioned over 35 times, him mentioning the kingdom of heaven. So Matthew is mostly dealing with Jesus as being king, Israel's king. John is dealing with Jesus being the deity of uh, the deity of God. I mean, the deity, his deity, him being the son of God and believe, believing who he is for Israel as well. The book of Luke is basically dealing with him, his earthly ministry, him being the son of man, his humanity as being the son of man. The book of Mark is not so much of a doctrinal book. It's somewhat of the actions and a lot of the miracles that Jesus done. That's why I only have 16 chapters and it, and it flies right through almost like the book of Acts. So the book of Mark is dealing with him being a servant what he done for Israel, signs, wonders, and miracles like that. You, you understand that when it comes to the four Gospels. That's why they say Matthew, Mark, Luke are somewhat alike. They call it, it's a harmony. They call it synopsis and John, Jesus, the deity. Now you go to uh, St. John is dealing with Jesus on believing who he is. What? Not so much him being king, but him being the son of God, him being their deliverer. That's why he used the name the bread of life, the light of the world and stuff like that. You know, it's very interesting when you read that. It's all about him being the son of God. It's all is being their redeemer It's being. Um, the, uh, yeah, they, of course, their Messiah. But it's not a lot of emphasis on King, but him being a Messiah, that promised Messiah, the son of God, God incarnate, God in the flesh. In the in the beginning was the word. The word the word was with God and the word was God. See, that's the beginning. Who was the word? Jesus. Jesus is God. The word was God. That's why it starts off that way in the book of John. 
They had to believe that. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Now he was dealing with Israel. See? So you find a lot of verses in there on believing who he was. It's kind of easy once you really pay attention, believing who he was. So you got to say, okay, let's let's look at this. I used to uh, listen to this guy named Emmett Phil, y'all. He used to say, come on, let's roll a camera. Let's let you see what's going on. So that's what I'm trying to do right now. Matthew dealing with him and him mentioning the kingdom of heaven. The book of Luke mentioned his humanity when he was on earth, his his humanity as being in human form and the flesh and, you know, stuff like that. Mark is dealing with uh, him being the servant, you know, signs and his miracles and stuff like that. And the book of John is dealing with the deity of him. I am the son of God. You know, I am. Stuff like that, you know. So and believing who he was believing who he is back then it was is not was but is believing who he is you understand what i'm saying okay so the message was what when jesus told him to go out to the world he told them to preach the gospel of the kingdom now you just read that the gospel of the kingdom i don't have my bible open now you know but i'm just trying to make it plain when he talked about the gospel <coughs> In Matthew, he dealt with the gospel of the kingdom. Go preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes he said the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. He used it interchangeably, but that was the gospel. See, those that believe shall be saved. Those that don't believe shall be damned. Believe what? Believe that he was the Messiah. Believe that he was their promised king. There was salvation. And of course the other things came with it. They already was baptized. See, they was baptized in John's ministry. The twelve. And some of the little flock was already baptized. Okay. You got them? Keep the Bible in context. They was already baptized in water. Remember through the uh through John's ministry. They was already baptized in water. So they just had to believe that Jesus was a Messiah. See, they already done those things, but he told them, now you need to do this. You already believed. You already been baptized by John. You already baptized in water because that was one of the requirements under the kingdom program, which was still under the law. You had to be baptized in water. They were still under the law. Okay. Now, the only thing they had to wait for the remission of sins, see? The, what was the remission of sins for them? Their remission of sins, it was almost like they had to just, their remission of sins was going to be forgiven. What remission of sins mean? It's only their past sins. It wasn't their past and it wasn't their future, you know? They still had to go through sacrifices and rituals to, for forgiveness of sins. Why? Because they were still under the law. And many, many ministers forget that. They were still under the law. And I'm going to tell you a little trick on this. See, that's what was salvation. That was a requirement for salvation. You know, Acts 2 and 38 spells it out great. Well, many churches use Acts 2 38 for the gospel for today, which is the kingdom gospel. You know, repent of your sins. Repent for the remission of sins. Now, the remission of sins is for your sins that you have committed, the ones you have committed against Jesus through, the, through his killing them and everything else. They had to 
that was the sense that they was going to be somewhat clear for everything else was future for them. They didn't have full sins forgiveness. No, it was only for the remission of their sins that they had committed before. Those are sins. That's why if they sinned again, they had to go through the same thing through the law. They had to do their sacrifices, whatever sacrifice or requirement was required, see. And so, baptized, they had to believe, be baptized for the remission of sins. Then they what? They received the Holy Ghost. That's in the book of Acts. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But remember, before the book of Acts, Jesus told, told them they had to wait for the comforter. The comforter was who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't poured down. They, they done some things with the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit didn't come down till the book of Acts. Acts 2. See, that's what they had to wait for. They had to tarry, like Jesus says, for the coming of the comforter. King James called it the comforter, which he is the Holy Spirit. That message was going to be what? Before they went out, they had to know the different languages because a lot of Jewish people were scattered to different Gentile nations. Excuse me. So when the day of Pentecost, which is a regular thing that happens in Jews' tradition, the day of Pentecost... There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured down on 120 of them, including Mary, all in that room. And they spoke with different languages. What was the languages for? The languages was for the ones that came from those different nations. And they spoke only those nations' language. And without that gift of knowing their language, there was no way they can tell them about the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the Messiah, and other things, you know. They, no way they would have been able to understand the language to other people if the apostles, mainly the twelve, did not know their language. That was the purpose of tongues. Remember, tongues mean language. Therefore, when the Holy Spirit came down on them, the Holy Spirit gave them all uh, different languages so they can go out and the day of Pentecost now they all was gathered there already that's how they was able to understand their language and it was, it was mind boggling many people some of them thought they was drunk that did not understand them those are the ones that thought he was drunk because it sounded like gibberish to them because they didn't understand it they thought they was drunk with new wine they called it and Peter had to rebuke him when people don't get drunk at nine in the morning. Well, I know they do today, but I'm just saying it was, you know, normally people don't get drunk at nine and, and drink at nine in the morning. That was Peter's point in that day then, you know, and that day then. 
but they heard them speaking what? In their own language. That's the only way they could have went out to their own people first by, remember, the Gen- they was in Gentile nations and they only understood the Gentile language, but they were Jews. But they were just born and scattered in all nations. See, that's the miraculous thing about this. So they had to, for order for them, Peter Neal to tell them about the kingdom gospel and stuff like that, the kingdom of heaven of salvation, they had to know their language. That's all tongues was for. But it was miraculous. They didn't have Rosetta Stone or nothing like that or schools to, to learn languages. That's why that's the only way they had they could reach their Jewish people, their brothers and sisters, is knowing their language because they only knew the language and the Gentile, you know, whatever they was born in, you know, okay? All right. But the message was the same. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the, the kingdom of heaven was the gospel then. The kingdom of heaven, gospel, was Repent for the remission of sins. You have to believe who he was first. Repent for the remission of sins. Be baptized in water, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Back in the kingdom, the only way they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, they had to go through those formats. They had to go through those steps. Repent, be baptized in water, and then you would be filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. And this is the evidence, listen close to what I'm saying, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, is you are able to speak in another language for the purpose of going out to your brothers, your Jewish brothers out there and sisters, so you, you can understand, so they can understand their own lingo coming out of your mouth, so you can tell them about the kingdom of heaven. You, you follow what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? So they had to do certain works. There's certain things they had to do under the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. See, that was the gospel then. Let's take a longer than I thought. But it's, I hope you're getting something out of it because this is very important. That was the gospel then. Now, something I did not mention. And it's hard, it's easy not to mention it. Why? Because that term wasn't even brought up yet. Christian. You notice the name Christian. And when I'm talking, I'm mostly, without even looking in the Bible, I did not mention a Christian one time. Why? Because that was non-existent. The name Christian or even Christianity, like we call it today, was non-existent. The term was back then. They were only followers of Christ believers. Later on, they was called the ones that followed the way or the ones of the way. A certain way they followed, in other words, when you follow a certain way. Their way of following was, was believing what the kingdom that Jesus was the Messiah, believing who he was. That was called the way. Okay. That was called the way. Not Christian. There was no Christian. There was only believers. And then they had certain names for the 12 disciples. And then they had other followers that was also called disciples. Disciples just mean alert to one. Someone that's under a mentor or a teacher that's learning their ways. That's what disciple means. So they was disciples. They was believers. They was followers. And they were followers of the way of the kingdom program. There was no term Christian back then. See? That term came later. 
Okay? So that's why you didn't hear me mention Christian or the term Christian. We got to stick what the Bible says, especially the King James Bible, because it's more accurate. Might disagree, but it is. The term Christian was not mentioned, okay? So, that's the format of how to be saved. Now, I'm not talking about your uh, traditional, denominational, man-made formats that's added on to this, but this is majority where a lot of churches' uh, salvation message come from. The majority of the church, over 90-something percent of the church's gospel message is from this this program, this dispensation, the kingdom of heaven salvation message. Believe who Jesus was, mixed with believe what he done, but it's a mixture of that. But the format of salvation. Okay? Repent of your sins, being baptized in water, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or the gift of the Holy Spirit. See? Okay? Alright. That's the kingdom message. And when you go further down in a, a little bit further down in a book of Acts and everything, you will notice when a, a, a someone, a, a Jew became a convert, they started speaking a different language. The baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon them, came within them. Engaged in the power. The Bible also somewhat be specific when it says this person was filled with the Holy Spirit. This person was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit came and went, came and went. Even back past, you know, back in the, you know, back in the prophet days, the Holy Spirit came upon them. He came and he left. He came, he left. He came upon Samson and he left. He came upon Samson and he left. You know, so it was a lot of coming and going when it came to the Holy Spirit. When there was miraculous things done through Samuel, the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them that miraculous power and stuff like that. So the Holy Spirit came and went. All the way through the kingdom, you know, a lot of things that have done, the signs and wonders, the Holy Spirit came among them with power. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came among them. They started doing, they could not do nothing. Jesus could not do anything on earth without the power of the Holy Spirit. He was in the flesh then. See, he could not do nothing. Signs, wonders, and nothing without the infilling the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus still got tired. Jesus still got hungry. You know, he never sinned. He had righteous anger, but he could not do the things when it came to signs and wonders and stuff and all that stuff and his outstanding teaching and his orating and his the way he used words is because the power of God was in him, the power of the Holy Spirit because he was on earth in flesh. So he needed the Holy Spirit then. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Okay. So the way back, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven was what? Excluding the traditional add-ons to denominational churches was what? You remember? You remember? Repenting of your sins, being baptized in the water for the cleansing. Well, we've been baptized in the water. Acts 2 and 38. Repent for the remission of sins and be baptized in water and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In that format, it, that's the format 
for the kingdom program. Later on down the line in Acts, it starts changing when it starts shifting over to Paul. Okay, but before then, that was the format of the kingdom of heaven for salvation. Okay, now let me jump ahead to Acts 9. Now let's talk about the gospel of the grace of God, which was ushered in by the Apostle Paul. This is the other gospel. See, this is the other gospel. The gospel of the grace of God. Now, what's the difference between the gospel of the grace of God? When Paul in Acts 9, and I want you all to go back to these books. In Acts 9, Paul was converted. Paul had to believe that Jesus was the coming Messiah, first of all, period, before he got any further. He even said, who are you, Lord, when the, uh, the brightness of the Jesus appearance blinded him? See, Paul fell to the dirt. See, Paul fell to the dirt. And Paul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? When you persecute me, it's just like kicking against the pricks. That was what Jesus was telling Paul. Now, what do you mean by that? When you persecute him and when you persecute his people, which is his own people, Paul was persecuting the Jews and Israel. When you when Jesus said persecuting them, that's like persecuting him. Because Paul thought he was doing the right thing for God. So when he persecuted and had some, uh, some, a, a lot of the Jews put in prison and had even uh, the Bible records that he had some killed, that's persecuting Jesus. That's why Jesus used that term in the tribulation time when he told them, you know, the ones that feed me, the ones that came to prison that seen me, I'm paraphrasing now, those are the ones that helped me, the ones that done all that. Who is he talking about? At that time, he was talking about Israel. You know, he was talking about the ones that ever helped him. So he was, he was using the term, when you persecuted Israel, you persecuted me. You know, that's what he was telling Paul. That's why he said, why are you persecuting me? Was Jesus, was Paul specifically hunting down and persecuting Jesus? No, you know he wasn't. If you're reading your Bible correctly, you know he wasn't persecuting. Who was he persecuting? He was persecuting the disciples and the Jews. He was persecuting them. Why? Because they was preaching a message that he would not accept. They was pre preaching who Jesus was. They was the one getting physically persecuted. It wasn't Jesus. But when they, pers they was persecuting, Paul was persecuting, his name was Saul, was persecuting Israel because of what they was teaching. They thought Paul generally and really believed it was blasphemy that they was preaching about Jesus being Israel's king and Messiah, the one that they killed, the one that they hung on the cross and crucified them. See, which is the time that Peter even missed about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You, you know why he he preached when he talked about the when Peter talked about the death, burial, and the resurrection. He used it as an indictment against Israel, not for salvation. Like Paul, he used it as an indictment. Y'all was wrong. Y'all killed y'all king. Y'all killed y'all Messiah, the one you hung on the cross. He rose again. Now he wasn't doing. He wasn't preaching that as for salvation, like some churches might think. Yes, Peter did talk about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. It wasn't for salvation. It was for an indictment against Israel, the Jews, his own people. Only Paul preached the resurrection for salvation. 
you, you follow what I'm saying. So don't get confused on that. People say, yeah, Peter did preach the death, burial, resurrection. Yes, but not for salvation. They had to believe that he rose again because they, they the one killed him. So it wasn't for salvation. That way of salvation was totally different than what Paul had to preach to the Gentiles. So let me digress. Paul had to believe who Jesus was because he was persecuting this same Jesus. So Jesus, Paul's eyes was open, even though it was blind, but I had to believe that Jesus was that coming Messiah, that coming King, okay? But the message that he was sending out, see, Paul should have been destroyed. Paul actually blasphemed. But God gave him a break and used him he pulled out the trump card, I like to call him, and used this Saul, this killer, this murderer, that thought he was doing the right thing, but he done it out of ignorance by persecuting them. He thought they was blaspheming. He blasphemed. See, though Paul, Jesus told him what he's going to do. He said, "I'm going to use you to go out to the Gentiles." Now, I'm finna say something about kicking against the pricks, or some translations that say kicking against the goals. The pricks is something just sharp and got a point on it. From what I heard, it has a sharpness. Just look at the definition of pricks, the Bible term of pricks. It's something sharp and got a point on it. So if you kick against it or you hit against it, you, what's going to happen when that point hits you, that sharp point? You're going to hurt yourself. So you're hurting yourself. You're kicking against the pricks. You're kicking against sharp. You're kicking a point. It's almost like you're kicking a needle on it. It's going to hurt you. It's like you're kicking something sharp or you're kicking a knife and then you're, getting, you're poking yourself back, your anger, and kicking it. You're kicking against the pricks. In other words, okay? So after Jesus broke down that and everything, told me everything, he sent Paul with a message. Slowly but surely, it started really coming to fruition around mid-Acts 13 and stuff like that, you know. You know, on the beginning of Paul conversion, you know, that's why you get these different names of dispensational names, Acts 2, Acts 9, and Acts 28, but I ain't gonna get into that. But in mid-Acts, that many mid-Acts believers, dispensational type believers, uh, including myself, we believe that uh, the church started between mid, I believe, between mid-9, mid, uh, Acts 9, and Acts 13. Anybody before that most churches believe that the church started in Acts 2. The majority of the churches believe that the church started in Acts 2. The day of Pentecost and all that. The majority of the churches. You could ask them. The majority of the churches believe that the church started in Acts 2. But no, the church started between Acts 9. It was in the beginning of stages in its early uh, infancy. In Acts 9, it was the transition because the book of Acts is a transitional book. It changes over from Peter's gospel program to Paul's gospel program. From Peter's gospel program. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No To Israel and the Jews, to Paul's gospel program, to who? The Gentiles. See, so from Acts 9 to Acts 13, Jesus sent Paul out to preach to the Gentiles. Now, what else came with Paul's? Remember, under the kingdom program was what? They had to do a format. They were still under the law. Okay? They were still under the law. That all changed in Acts 7 after the stoning of Stephen. That all changed after the... Uh, I don't have time to go through all that now, but that all changed in Acts 7 after the stoning of Stephen. Then mostly the Jews scattered except the apostles because the apostles knew what they had to do they knew they had to stay in Jerusalem so the apostles stayed see but even before that time come remember it was on 11 because Judas uh, got tucking out you know he, he hung himself so uh, through all that time in early X it was 11 so that had to be fulfilled first they had to get that one more to make it 12 and what happened Matthias that's how Matthias became the 12th apostle that had to be fulfilled first before they went out they couldn't go out with just 11. They had to have the 12 that the Matthias took the place of, of Judas. So I'm saying this because I'm getting ahead of myself. So from the end of Luke, early Acts, they only had 11. They had to get that one more. They had to replace Judas, which they call the son of perdition. And they, he got replaced by Matthias. Okay. They had two people. They, they cast lots. And Matthias wound up being the, the 12th apostle which you never heard nothing else from about Matthias after that. You know, the focus is mainly on Peter. Then you heard some about James and John. It was basically those three. Interesting. Peter, James, and John. Interesting. Those three were somewhat the pillars of the other apostles and the other believers of the kingdom program. Peter, James and John was kind of somewhat, they ain't no kind of, they was the leaders of the uh, the ones of the way, the believers. They wasn't Christians, that's why I'm not saying Christians. The believers, the followers, the you know, the believers and the ones of the way. Peter, James, and John. So, that's why it's interesting, you know, that who has books besides Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? You have John. You have James. And you have Peter. They have their own books. The leaders of the apostles, the leaders of the twelve, the pillars of the people of Israel. Peter, James, and John. Peter has two books. John has St. John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and a revelation of John. Okay? James has one book. The three pillars has books. And their program is basically Hebrew. It's, it's, it's Jewish. It's preparing for the kingdom. But I'm not going to get ahead of myself. So I want you to put that in here. That's interesting. Peter, James, and John also has books as well. Okay. I, I said that for a reason. But now going into Paul's gospel, God sent Paul out to the Gentiles because Acts 7 they blasphemed for the last time against the Holy Ghost and, and that was it was like their third strike 
unbelief. Then God said, from now on, I'm going out to the I'm gonna send you out to the Gentiles. He sent Paul to the Gentiles with a different gospel. You see the change? Why a different gospel? Why a different gospel? Because the gospel of the kingdom was only for Israel. The gospel of the covenant was only for Israel. Israel was the only one looking for their Messiah and their kingdom to be restored according to Acts 1 and 1. See, Israel, the Jews, was looking for a kingdom. The Jews and Israel was the only ones under a covenant, not Gentiles. Israel was the only one looking for their promised Messiah, not Gentiles. So that's why God went to the Gentiles with another gospel. The Gentiles knew nothing not too much about God. The Gentiles was never under a covenant. The Gentiles never had no prophesied promises. You see? So why would God go to the Gentiles with the same type of weight that was on Israel with the same gospel that they don't know nothing about. They was never looking for no Messiah, Gentiles as in nations. They was never looking for no promised king. Most of them didn't know nothing about Jesus. They had their own little gods and pagan gods and stuff like that in rituals. So it makes sense to go to them with a different gospel that the Bible also called better promises. Why did God give them better promises? To make Israel jealous. The Bible specifically says that to make Israel jealous. They had their chance. So God gave us and put us there as a Gentile, a different gospel through Paul. The other gospel message was tucking out and post Poem, not ab abolished because it will be back in the ages to come, but it was postponed. Now, through Paul's message that you're not going to find a lot of it in Acts because it's transitional, you only find it through uh, Paul's uh, epistles or his letters. Paul went to the Gentiles with a different message. What was it? The gospel of grace. Remember, kingdom program you have to believe by faith it was faith plus works even the book of James talks about that faith plus works first John talked about certain things that Israel uh, if they walk in sin they're not going to be able to sin they're not true believers if they sin because why God in the New Testament God is going to do miraculous things in Israel and they're not going to be able to sin because God is going to cause them to walk in his ways that's what first John is all about that's what first John talks about you know if you sin, you're not one of them, you know, because you know, one that belongs to God remember John says something like that does not sin and you, might, you, you never paid that attention, I didn't either, they won't be able to sin because God is going to work through them miraculously he's not going to work through them through handwritten laws his law is going to be wrote in their hearts so they're not going to sin God is going to cause them to follow in his ways that's what John, first John means, they won't be able to sin because God is going to use them in a way that they won't have to sin. He's going to, that's what the new covenant, New Testament is all about, which is for Israel. Another teaching, another good teaching, but Paul went to the Gentiles. The Gentiles mean other nation with a total different gospel. Jesus, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. 
And this is what I want you to do. But it happened progressively. It didn't happen overnight. Paul was in ministry over 25 years, I believe, and he was getting different revelations all through those years about what Jesus wanted him to do. But first he had to go to Asia. Was it Asia? I think he had to go there for three years. The Bible talks about that. Now, why did he have to go there? It does not say. You know, you have different speculations for different grace teachers. I don't know. But he might have to go there because he had to get up at the beginning of what he needed to do, you know, at that time. So uh, he had to go there. So he stayed there three years and stuff like that. Well, anyway, when he came back, he started teaching slowly but surely what God wanted him to do. It wasn't picture perfect because he was still learning. His message got stronger later on down the line because Jesus was revealing more and more and more about this mystery. See, that's what what Jesus was telling Paul to do for the Gentiles was never told to nobody else. That's why the King James used the secret, which is mystery. What Jesus was showing Paul in the book of Acts from 9 all the way through Acts 28 was a mystery. Now, the mystery teaching that he told Paul is only can only be explained in Paul's letters. Romans through Philemon for who? The Gentiles or the world, you might say. So the message Jesus sent Paul out was the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20 and 24. The gospel of the grace of God. It was all about Jesus' resurrection. The cross. See, not who Jesus was. It was his teaching was based on what Jesus done and he rose again. That was a total different message than a kingdom program of believing who Jesus was. See, the Gentiles just had to believe. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know too much about it. They just had to believe what Jesus done for them. See, the fullness of the cross. The full, oh, man, I get excited. I, I, I can't tell it all at one time. I might have to finish this. But the fullness. I'm going to go 23 more minutes. The fullness, the fulfillment of the cross was revealed only to the Apostle Paul. Not Peter now. They was blind to a lot of things when it came to only that. They was blind to the fullness of the cross because that was only revealed to the Apostle Paul. They didn't understand. They knew the Gentiles would be saved. The Bible talked about that. Nobody knew how. Many, they, back then, they thought the Gentiles were going to get saved by them through Israel's program. See, because that was a prophesied format for the Gentile nations to be saved or reconciled back to God. See, because their disobedience from the first time they got destroyed, destroyed from the days of Noah. And then God was going to reconcile them through Israel. But they had nothing. They, they, in other words, this is the, they call this the gap theory. They call this the gap theory. See, just say, for instance, I know I'm going everywhere, but just say, for instance, if Israel, the leaders of Israel, would have believed Jesus was their Messiah, the whole kingdom program would have been fulfilled then. They would have still had to go through the tribulation, and there still would have been, there still would have been an Antichrist and a beast. So if they would have believed, and the Messiah still would have got crucified, you know, 
because the book of Psalms talks about that, he still would have had to be sacrificed. But the kingdom program would have went all the way through. Say, Joe, what do you mean? They would have still had to go through their tribulation because of their disobedience. It's something I think in the book of, uh, what's, uh, I forget. Mm. The book of Leviticus, I believe. You know, uh, it's five cycles. When God told them if they do this, this will happen. If they disobey these, these curses will come upon them. They've been through all the curses already. It's one more challenge and curse. And what I'm understanding, they have to go through. That's the seven-year tribulation. So, therefore, the tribulation would have still took place. The purging would have still took place. If Israel, the nation, would have believed them. Not only the little flock, but the leaders and the nation would have believed them. The tribulation and everything would have still taken place and Jesus would have came back and set up his kingdom. See? See, Joe, when you read the uh, the, the Gospels, you notice when Jesus talk about the kingdom, he's talking about it like it's going to be coming in their time. Because he kept saying, you many would do this and you would do this because it's supposed to happen in that time even though I'm sure Jesus knew about the mystery that they was going to disobey but he talked more in the present sense you notice that you notice that if you read the gospels see even when Peter and them was telling me explain to us the kingdom and different things like that and uh, even in first and second Peter, Peter talked about that and then he found, he, he understood now that he wasn't going to be around for the ushering in of the second kingdom, but I'm getting ahead of myself but uh, they assumed that the kingdom was going to happen then because it's supposed to have happened. That Messiah was there. Only the little flock believed that and other believers and mainly the little flock, those are the ones, the only ones that follow Jesus' earthly ministry. See, under the kingdom program, the king was there now. Only thing that's, that, that needed to take place was what? His death, uh, his crucifixion, and the tribulation period and his coming back to set up the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? That would have went all the way through. See? Now, what's scary about that? If that would have happened, what would happen to us for salvation? Only God knows. I, I don't even want to speculate. I don't even want to speculate what would have happened if all Israel, the majority of the nations, believed that Jesus was their Messiah. The tribula Antichrist would have showed up. They still would have to go through the tribulation and the kingdom would have, Jesus would have came back and set up his kingdom. What would have happened to us? I'm going to tell you why I'm saying us, because this is very important. And I'm sure you never heard this before. This is very important. See, but what happened? They didn't believe. They killed John. See, one strike. They, they didn't believe God. They killed the king, their Messiah, Israel. Even though it would happen in the uh, the hands of a Gentile, the Romans, Israel is still the main cause of that death. That's why Peter said, you killed him. You say Romans, he said, you killed him. See, they killed their Messiah, their king. Then thirdly, by stoning Stephen in Acts 7, that was the final strike. They didn't believe the Holy Spirit. They killed Stephen, you know, so they didn't believe the movements of the Holy Spirit. That's blaspheming. So that was the third strike. So after that third strike, God postponed 
the kingdom program. According to uh, Rome, I keep saying, uh, excuse me, but I keep saying Romans 9 and 11, but it's in Romans 11. See, it's Romans 11 that it talks about the postponement of Israel's program. You can read that in uh, Acts 11. I think 11, 9 to 25, I believe, talks about their postponement. Please read that. They got postponed when they stoned Stephen. That was the last strike. Third strike, they blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. Then what happened after that? The Jews scattered according to what Acts says, but the apostles stayed because they know they had the program to finish. But at the same time, Peter didn't know their whole program was going to get postponed. He got a little peek of it in Acts 10. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But when Paul went out, Jesus gave Paul, slowly but surely, he had to go to, uh, go to, uh, Asia uh, and you know uh, and uh, get schooled or get taught what he needs to do you know in a paraphrase of the way I'm saying that he had to get touched up or what's going on he had to get trained or what's, what he needs to go out there and talk about and then with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary the debt uh, through his 25 years of his ministry Jesus was revealing things to him so it all did, it did not all happen at one time with Paul he started growing stronger and stronger that's why I talked about in first and second Corinthians partial we know only in part and stuff like that because he was growing one of his first books I believe was the book of Galatians that the first book that he wrote see so that was one of his first book he didn't know half as much that he knew between Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians, he was more advanced. Ephesians, he was more, he knew more. Jesus revealed more to Paul. So thus, that's why Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians, those books are his, his prison books. See? This earlier books like Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, I think 1st uh, and 2nd Corinthians, they is his pre-prison books before he went to prison. But after that, when he was in prison, when he wrote these letters, he was more, the Holy Jesus revealed more to him. So those books like Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and even down to 1st and 2nd Timothy, etc., like that, and Titus, they're more advanced for the more advanced Christian believer because Paul more detailed and he know it. things have been revealed fully to him in those books. He admits that in 2 Timothy, the end of his ministry. He fulfilled the word of God. He fulfilled the word of God, the Apostle Paul. Well, anyway, the message, the gospel message, since I'm talking about the message, the gospel message 
that Jesus and Eckstein sent Paul out to who? The Gentiles. And when he later on in the verses, you notice Paul. I mean, when Jesus sent Paul out, who did he tell Paul to go to first? Gentiles. Israel and the kings and all that kings and Israel. Gentiles first. But when you go to Jesus' message in Matthew and then you go to Mark 16 and 16, who did the king under the kingdom program, who did Jesus tell in his earthly ministry, who did Jesus tell Peter now to go out to first? The Jews, Judea, Samaria, and then other parts of the earth. You see the order? The kingdom program, Jews first. Paul's program under the Gentiles was the Gentiles first. Why would God do that if the message was the same? You, you follow what I'm saying? A total reverse. It went from Gentiles last in the kingdom program to Gentiles first under grace program under Paul. There was also a big difference between the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel. The kingdom gospel, they remember they had to repent of their sins for the remission of sins, be baptized in water, and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Under Paul's program, they just had to believe by faith. No works. Nothing else they had to do. That's what made the promises for the Gentiles and the rest of the world, you know, better than the kingdom program to make the Jews jealous. They wish they did have something simple like that. Jews as a nation, because individually they still could get saved under grace. But I'm talking about the nation. See, they had to go through a struggle to try to just, they had over 613 laws. They had to try to follow under the kingdom of heaven program. And I'm going to go back to that. And I'm going to tell you why that's a problem for today. They had 613 laws they had to follow. Under the gospel of grace, they only believed by faith. Like Abraham, he believed God. By what? Faith. He just believed God. Abraham is an example on both of the faiths. Him sacrificing Adam was a works. See? And him believing God by faith was a, 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 a not works. You see, it's like he was he fulfilled both programs. See, that's why Galatians talks about Abraham a lot, or and then you get the Romans five or six, he talks or four. One of those he talks about Abraham because Abraham's faith well, our faith is based on the way Abraham believed. Remember, Abraham was not under the law. He had a promise. You know, it was different covenants in the Bible that wasn't under the law. There was a promise and somewhat of covenant with Noah. And there was a promise God made and a certain covenant he made with Abraham, but it wasn't the law. You understand what I'm saying? See? So, the gospel of the grace of God was about believing what Jesus done. It was the opening up or the unveiling of the fullness of what happened when Christ was raised from the dead. That was never explained to Peter or none of them. It was only revealed to Paul. See, God knew Israel was going to go out of unbelief. Nobody else knew that. People still today don't know that. And it's sad. God knew because he knew all things. He knew Israel was going to go out of unbelief. So he always, that's why I call it the trump card. He knew already what day, what time, or whatever, and he knew even the person. See? 
they knew the Gentiles would get saved, but they just thought it was only always it was going to be through them. God knew it wasn't, but they thought that because that was that was the, the, the uh that was the the plan. But they blasphemed Stone and Stephen. They went out in unbelief. So the program that changed. It became another dispensation. Now dispensation is not mentioned in the program. Paul is the only one mentioning that word in the King James Version. Dispensation. Now what does dispensation mean? Simple terms another administration. Another administration. Now let me give you an example. You look at Trump and you look at Biden's. Do they have the same rules of administration? You, could, you, you, you ain't even got to close your eyes. Of course not. A liberal and conservative have different ways they do things. So they hire certain people that believe like-minded. You understand what I'm saying? So administration means just a core of different people that's, that's, that's connected and believe in one accord. See, when you go back in the kingdom program, the, the, remember the Bible talks about even when the day of Pentecost, they was all at what? They was all at one accord. Remember I gave an example with the ants following each other. They all had to believe the same thing when it came to the doctrine, not personalities, but I'm just talking when it came to the doctrine. That was by law. They had to. Or circumstances will happen. They had to follow the law. You know, nothing. It was just like a straight chain. They had to follow that straight chain. They couldn't walk outside their line. They had to be a one accord. That was an administration under the kingdom program, a strict administration that they brought up, they brought upon on themselves. They had to be under that kingdom of heaven program administration. Now, Paul's program is a different administration for people that was never undercovered, don't know nothing about Jesus. So they had a different gospel. Dispensation just mean a different program, a different administration, a different management, management, a different stewardship. See, that's why Paul say, I got this dispensation. That's why Paul says four times, my gospel. Why would he say my gospel if it was the same with uh, in the, uh, in the kingdom, same as the kingdom program? He says my gospel, my gospel, my gospel. Why would Peter, Paul rebuke the Jews so hard to come down on Peter and them in the book of Galatians, especially Galatians 2 and 11, for being hypocrites. And Peter knew that the kingdom gospel was not for the Gentiles. Peter knew that, that it was a different gospel. Peter knew that, but he became a hypocrite. You see all these little hints that show, it's not even a hint, it's openly telling you. The Galatians talk about the gospel of the circumcision and the gospel of the uncircumcision. Why would they separate it like that if they was the same? The gospel of the circumcision is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven that's under the law to Israel. The gospel of the uncircumcision is the ones that's not under the law, faith by faith alone, the Gentiles. You see what I'm saying? Two different gospels. One from the past, and one is going to be for the future, and one is for now. Do you know which one? After all what I've just said, do you know which one? Okay, let's take a break. Okay, I'm back. I had to take a little break there. But which one? Okay, the apostle uh, Paul, 
which was Saul in Acts 9, remember? His name, they started calling him Paul in Acts 13, I believe. Saul was starting, uh, the Bible, King James didn't say it, they changed his name. But Paul, Saul started being, he, he, they started calling him Paul in Acts 13. Now, Saul is Paul's, Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Gentile name, Romans. Very interesting. Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Gentile name. See, so Paul was born, you know, Paul became a citizen in Rome, but he was Jewish. So, since Saul wasn't in the kingdom program or he wasn't, you know, teaching a kingdom message or nothing like that, and he, when he went into the Gentile, you notice the Bible in Acts 13 changed his name to Paul, a Gentile name. Did you ever catch that? It took me a while to catch that too. Why did the Bible say they start calling him Paul? Paul's more like, now I'm not saying this for this reason, but it's, it's very unique that all of a sudden Paul, his Gentile name, and he's going out to the Gentiles. But before that, he was called Saul, his Jewish name. You, you see the uniqueness of the Bible? Did you ever catch that? You know, if you did, you called it before me. But you ever catch that? Saul to Paul. Saul, the Jew, to Paul, going out to the Gentiles. You, you follow what I'm saying? So they start calling him Saul, I mean Paul, ever since when he started going through later on down the line in the book of Acts, the transition. Okay, okay, I'm back. All right, I, I pushed the wrong thing, but anyway. Oh, what's going on now? I'm back. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Paul's gospel was based on believing what Jesus did. So when he went to the Gentiles, the belief of believing who he was was trans was transitioned over to a different group of people, which is the Gentiles, the rest of the world, of believing what Jesus done. They just have to believe what Jesus did. And I went through Galatians and different things between the circumcision, the difference between the circumcision and the uncircumcision and stuff like that. Gentiles is always often known as the uncircumcised. Even back the days, you know, when Samson and David and uh, all those other past prophets, they was called the uncircumcision of different Gentile nations. They was also known as heathens. Now, you could have different Jews as heathens, but they was known as heathens. They was known as pagans because of all of the perverted and pagan gods they worship. They didn't worship the true God like Israel. They worship different gods. They were searching. So they worship idols and stuff like that. So they was, named, they was known as pagan Worshippers or pagan idolizers and stuff like that. But the main, most popular name for the Gentiles, you would know if they're talking about the Gentiles, and some translations just might straight out say Gentiles. The Living Bible says Gentiles, it doesn't say the uncircumcision, which is cool. That's good. But it's good to know the terms when you're reading what the uncircumcision and the circumcision means. Circumcision means the Jews, because why? The Jews has to be had to be circumcised the eighth day after birth from the skin of their anatomy, which is their penis. They had to be circumcised. The Gentiles didn't. So the sign that you that you was under the 
under the covenant back then as a Jew was one of the signs was circumcision. Many nations knew that. So the Gentiles called them a circumcision and, a, and uh, the Jews called the Gentiles the uncircumcision. You know, that's just food for thought for you to know when it comes to those two different names, especially when it comes to the King James. Other translations might have Jews and Gentiles, which is cool too. But it's good to know the King James or whatever like that or the terms that was used, circumcision and uncircumcision. Okay. What else came, I forgot to tell you, with the kingdom program? Could you guess? Signs, wonders, and miracles. You see where I'm going now. They came with the kingdom program, Israel's program. Signs, wonders, and miracles, and healings. So, circumcision, I mean, signs, wonders, and miracles, and healings, speaking in different languages. Not everybody was speaking in different languages. Now, mainly the Bible just talked about the, the apostles and the ones who had the gifts. Every every Jew wasn't speaking in different languages, but so I want to get that out there. But signs, wonders, miracles, languages, but it was always for a purpose, not because God was showing off. He done this for a purpose. See, signs, wonders, and miracles to prove that First of all, back then, that God was that king, he was that leader, and that would be the evidence that how he's going to lead them out of Egypt with what? Signs, wonders, and miracles. No other so-called God done the things that this God done. So God proved that he was the God of gods by doing these miraculous things that no other uh, idol that they worshipped back then could not do and never do, let alone even open up their mouth. See? So, through Jesus' ministry... Same thing. No other idol worshiper than nobody they have a, was idol, uh, even some of the Jews or what they believe, done the things that Jesus done. Signs, wonders, and miracles for Israel. It was always had to be proven to Israel by signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus done those different healings also because that's how the kingdom of heaven is going to be. There's not going to be any lame. That's not going to That's not going to be any blind. There's not going to be any deaf and dumb. There's not going to be none of that. And the, none of none of that. None of that. Those things that sin created. And some of them was oppressed in the Bible made it specifically by Satan or demons and the kingdom program. So that was a picture of how the kingdom was going to be. See? Okay? So signs, wonders, and miracles also came with the kingdom program. Signs, wonders, miracles. You have to be baptized in the water. You have to follow the law. You have to believe who Jesus was. And a lot of them had the gifts of speaking in different languages. That's what's under the kingdom of With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heaven program. There heaven was going to be on earth. That's the other uh uh benefit that came with the kingdom of heaven program their kingdom was going to be on earth see in the beginning god created the heaven singular and the earth king james got it singular other translations got heavens but that's wrong it's supposed to be heaven that's the correct heaven and earth See, Israel's programs on earth, signs and wonders, miracles, they was under the covenant, they was under the law, and different things like that. All that came under the kingdom program. You got that, okay? Remember, that's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven program, which the majority of churches preaches, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, today for Israel. Paul's program came with what? Just guess what? The, not what it started with. Now, early in Paul's program, because of his apostleship, he was doing miracles and stuff like that. And Paul had the gift of languages, but it faded out. Why was it faded out? Because it was not needed for the Gentiles. God did not have to prove those things to the Gentiles. Because they was under another program. They was never looking for no Messiah. They was never under no covenant. See, so they didn't need signs and wonders and everything. The Bible, the word of God was being fulfilled then. See, those things was only for Israel. Early on, it was only for Israel. See, so those things stopped fading out. Because Israel program, as Israel's kingdom program got postponed, the signs and wonders and everything else was ceased. It stopped fading out, laying on down the line. You, you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Earlier through the ministry, yes. After the transition, Acts 10, yes, those things will start happening. But you notice early on down the line when Peter was telling them why God, Jesus sent them. Before they even got baptized or say anything else, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down on them. How was that proven? Because they started speaking what? In different languages. And the Jews understood their own language. And they were shocked. And everything because that never happened to a Gentile. That only happened to what? Why would they be shocked? They wouldn't have been shocked if it was these these uh, Romans or these uh, uh, these Gentiles was Jewish. It wouldn't have shocked them. It was shocking because that only happens with Israel, not the Gentiles, because Gentiles was the undersized and wonders and covenants. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to make it simple as I can. Okay, simple as I can. Okay, now going through. In other words. Paul's message all the way down, which is much which explained more much better through Romans through Philemon, is the gospel of the grace of God is believing what Jesus done is the fulfillment or the open the revelation of what Jesus what happened after his resurrection that was only explained and revealed to him, which the Bible King James called a mystery. A mystery. It was hidden in God since the world be began, according to Romans 16 and 25. See? 
since Romans 16 and Romans 16 and 25. Since the world began, this message that Paul was preaching, no man never knew nothing about. It was hidden in God since the beginning of the earth, beginning of creation. You, you, you see what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? A lot of you did not know that. It was already hidden in God. It was never, through all the 66 books, through all them just say the history of the Bible, through the prophecy, through the candle, through Moses, nobody no man knew about this, only Paul. I keep saying that because a lot of people don't know that. If you just understand, why would God hold something for all this time and then tell this person the same message that he told Peter now? You have to start using common sense when you read the Bible. Why would Paul say my gospel? Why, when you read Paul's message, why would Paul rebuke Peter and them so hard? Why would Paul come so hard on the Jews about not following the law, trying to tell the Gentiles to follow the law? Why would he come down on them if it was the same message? Why would they persecute his own people, persecute him so hard? He even said this if he was preaching the same message. No, they persecuted him because he wasn't. It was foreign to them when he was preaching. He was preaching a different message. It wasn't for them. In other words, individually, that's the only way they can get saved now. The kingdom program was postponed. Okay? So Paul's message in a nutshell was believing by faith alone. Believing in what? Believing in whom? Believing what Jesus done. Not who he was. What Jesus done. He was explaining now and fulfilling what the whole fullness of what happened after the cross. Before that, nobody else knew the fullness of what happened. Nobody. Nobody. They only knew. They didn't really understand it. A lot of it was hidden from Peter and them. When Jesus was talking about he was going to die, that power was either hidden them, hidden from them on purpose by God. So they did not know nothing. They barely knew about his resurrection and stuff like that. Or you believed it, let alone why. The fullness of everything else was only explained to Paul. That's very important. See? By them being the beautiful thing about that, by them being disobedient Israel, that opened the door for God to go back out to the Gentiles. Now, who's the Gentile? That's anybody that's not a Jew. That's me. That's you. That's anybody else from any other part of the world besides the Jews is a Gentile, which is more now than it was back then. There's more Gentile nations. Now, we're in the time of the Gentiles, the Bible talks about. The majority of everything is controlled by who? Gentiles. See, Gentiles control everything. That's going to change. But right now, Gentiles are controlled over everything. Gentile nations. Gentile nations going up against what? Israel. Now, Israel don't have no favoritism today. They don't. People think they still do. Some believers think that. But there's no uh, favoritism with Israel today. The majority of the nation of Israel, a lot of them are pagan. They have other kind of beliefs. A lot of, them, a lot of the uh, religious rabbis, they believe only in the Torah, the five books of Moses, the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They only follow the Torah. They don't believe in the coming Messiah. Some of them still on at the welling wall waiting for the first coming of the Messiah. 
They don't believe he came the first time. They didn't accept him. They still don't accept him today. They are still in unbelief. They are still blind according to Romans 11. But their eyes will be open. But for now, supernaturally, their eyes will be open. But for now, they're still in unbelief. They don't believe in the Messiah. That's why you have a, a group of people call themselves the Messianic Jews. What does that mean? That means we are the Jews that believe in the Messiah. We are the Jews that believe that Messiah, uh, that this Messiah was the Son of God. They're called, uh, it's more of a definition with that, but they're called Messianic Jews. But the majority of Jews, intelligent Jews, don't believe in the Messiah. They don't accept Jesus as the Messiah. And a lot of them are going to hell believing that way. Many Jews are going to be suffering in the hell and the lake of fire. Because what? The same thing, unbelief. So there's no favoritism with Israel today. All that sin and unbelief, there's no favoritism until their eyes be open. And all of them eyes is not going to be open. It's going to be back to this new little flock that's going to believe, going to the tribulation. Those are the ones that's going into the kingdom. The one, the great commission is going to be fulfilled by the 144,000. Now, this is ages to come in the future after the church is gone, the body of Christ. The 144,000 from each tribe of Israel. What is it? 12 tribes? I think it's 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. You know, the sons of Jacob who got his name changed to Israel is going to be 144,000 that's going to go out and do the great commission. And they're going to witness everywhere to different nations, the four corners of the earth and the remaining Gentiles and kings that's left over. Those are the one, only ones going to be entering into the kingdom and they're going to do, they're going to develop in that kingdom for a thousand years. The rest of everybody else is going to get wiped out and then you have the second resurrection. See, that's why the Bible said, blessed are the ones that comes in the first resurrection. See, the second resurrection, they're going to come and from the sea, from the waters and all the ones that's hidden everywhere. The guy, God knows where every body and every corpse is right now. See, he knows where every hidden child is, every new, every person is right now, body-wise. Children are with him. I have no doubt about that. But my point is the one that went out of unbelief under the kingdom program, remember there's going to be a thousand-year reign. See, but the ones that uh, went out in unbelief in the tribulation period, you have that second resurrection that's going to be the great white throne judgment. But I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I get excited. But remember, the body of Christ ain't got nothing to do what Israel messed up on. The great white, the, the body of Christ, the church today has nothing to do. Why would God have us? Like some post-tribulation people believe, or post, you know, they believe the body of Christ, the church today, is going to go through the tribulation. The reason they believe that because the majority of them believe that the church started in Acts 2. See, they are Pentecost. They think they're part of the kingdom church. That's the confusion. See, we are the grace church. We are the body of Christ. We're not the kingdom church. We're not Israel. We was never under no covenant. We was never... None of that. Our promises and stuff is going to be in the heavenly places. Mostly our blessings is going to be in the heavenly places. Not here on earth. It's future in the heavenly places. See? In the heavenly places. 
Many believe we're going to have different positions and different stuff like that. The Bible doesn't say that. I, I, I'm not saying it's not true, but I don't want to go nowhere I've never been before. I don't know too much about. That can be true. That's going to be beautiful. I believe we're going to be in certain positions. Yes, but I'm just saying the Bible, You can't. I, I can't find no uh, scripture in the Bible saying that. I just know we've been to heavenly places, and I know it's going to be crowns for different ones. Now, what positions we're going to be doing and stuff like that, I don't know. But I know it's going to be beautiful. Let me just put it that way. I don't know. I just know it's going to be, be beautiful. I'm not saying nobody is wrong on that, but I'm just saying I'm limited. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see it. That is specifically. And the Bible doesn't say a lot of things specifically all the time. Okay, let me stop right here. So, you see the differences of the two Gospels. The Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven and the Gospel of the Grace of God. One is believing by faith and works. One is believing by faith alone. The gospel that we are under, the gospel of the grace of God, is believing what Jesus done only, his death, burial, resurrection, is under the Apostle Paul. Under this dispensation, listen closely, everybody's sins is forgiven because there's no law. Remember uh, uh, Romans 4, 16 said, wherever there's no law, there is no transgressions. There's no law. There's no covenant. Jesus' fulfillment of all sins was taken care of on the cross after his resurrection. And it was only revealed through the Apostle Paul before that that wasn't going on. Yes, people got penalized for their sins. People got all that. Under the kingdom program, you had to repent. You had to make sacrifices. See? But after the cross, under the dispensation of grace, what was fulfilled, there was no law, and it was fulfilled that it was known that Jesus took care of all sins under the grace program, not the kingdom program. It was fulfilled, but by Israel being under the covenant, his whole fullness for the world was fulfilled and revealed to the Apostle Paul. See, you see what I'm saying? That's what make our promises better. Now, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, God is not imputing any trespasses against no one. In other words, he's not charging no county sins against the world. The world means the world, not just to say the world. Now, this is just forgiveness, not salvation. Let me say this again. This is just forgiveness, not salvation. Everybody's sin has not been penalized by God under this administration, under grace. There's no condemnation under the earth today by God. And you ought to know that because all this stuff going on in the world today, you remember how God just wiped nations out and done and poured down his wrath on many nations? Don't you know he's not doing it today? Why? Because we're under grace. He's giving men and women a chance to be saved. He's not charging them for sin. They got wiped out for specifically sin. There's no sin here today that God is charging us with. That don't mean you're not going to sin anymore. That don't mean you're not going to suffer the consequences no more after sin. Okay? But you are forgiven. Also, forgiveness of the world doesn't mean that everybody is going to heaven. No. That just means you have a chance to be reconciled to God. Forgiveness and salvation are two different things. You are forgiven. The world is forgiven, but everybody in the world is not saved. Only the ones that accept it and believe it 
and accepted Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are saved. Now they are reconciled back to God. Anybody, everybody that's forgiven now is not reconciled yet. Now God is reconciled to the world. Why? Because there's no sin. You see now, Jesus took care of all sins. So God said, okay, I can reconcile myself back to the world because there's no sin now. Sin is not in the way. See, now the world just have to believe like you or not, if you are saved, they just have to believe it. What, not for, for, for forgiveness, that's a done deal. They just have to believe that Jesus saved them from that. See, and by his death, burial, and his resurrection. Not just by his death, not just by his burial, but his resurrection. Because if he didn't resurrect it, nobody would be atoned today. No, the kingdom or the uh, grace program. So the resurrection is the big deal. The resurrection. See, Paul's preaching is the cross. Paul's preaching was the resurrection of Christ. See, not him dying on the cross. His resurrection. He preached the ministry of Christ's heavenly ministry. See, Many people go by the red letters in Matthew, Mark, and John. It, you would think... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Traditionally, that's the only time that Jesus is talking in red letters. Jesus talks all through the Bible, especially in Paul's letters and everything that's Jesus talking to Paul. You, you see what I'm saying? Paul will give an example when his, it's his own opinion, but Christ is okay with Paul's opinion because Paul walked that close to God. Not perfectly, but he walked that close. Like I said, Jesus was the only perfect one, sinless one on the earth. Paul was pretty close. This is my opinion. He's one of the closest ones to me, you know. He's, he's the one that fulfilled the rest of the word of God. So he walked a tight rope, not perfectly, but he came close. See, okay, all right. Gospel of the kingdom of heaven and gospel of the grace of God are not the same. You can't use them interchangeably for salvation. One is past. It's not in fruition today. And that's the kingdom of heaven program under Israel. One is for today. It's been like that for the last couple of thousand years. That's the gospel of the grace of God. That's the only way to be saved today, but believe in what Jesus done, death, burial, resurrection. Not allowing Jesus in your heart or letting him in your heart or confessing your sins or trying to do the the uh the Calvinist or Lordship salvation thing, trying to hold on to your sins. It's not about your sins now. That's wiped out. It's hard for these feet I managed to understand that, but God is not charging no one with sin. I don't care how evil you are. That don't make you less evil and nothing like that. 
that he's just not charging you for it. That don't mean you are saved. This is not a universal teaching. That don't mean you saved and you're going to heaven. That means you has a chance. You have a chance to be reconciled. That's what we in the body of Christ supposed to go out to the world and tell them this good news about their sins and how they can be reconciled back to God by believing it. What Jesus done, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the difference. No baptism in water. No remission of sins. None of that. No being filled. Later on to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you are sealed instantly. You believe that. You are sealed. All that come in one package. Excluding forgiveness. Forgiveness is this. Salvation. Righteousness. Justification. Glorification. Rapture of the church. They all come together. Forgiveness is separately. Forgiveness doesn't make you righteous. Being forgiven doesn't make you righteous. Being forgiven doesn't make you saved. Being forgiven doesn't make you reconciled to God. Being forgiven doesn't make you redeemed. Being forgiven doesn't glorify you. That's why you can still go to hell even though you have been forgiven and your sins has not been charged against you. Against you. That's what's messing up a lot of Grace teachers and believers, they can't, they can't see that denominational thinking in some of them. They can't seem to separate that. They, they just stuck on salvation as the way to be forgiven. No, no, we, we need to just do better than that. People are confused enough. We are closer to the truth than any other denomination and still stuck on, I'm just say stuck on stupid. Because you don't want to change your belief. You see it and don't want to change. How simple is 2 Corinthians 5.19? What makes that so hard? Why would you try to go to another verse to prove that scripture wrong? It's like you're trying to prove God or like you know more. You're putting works back in things. Man, it ain't about you. You so say you got to be like me. No, it ain't got nothing to do with you. So God so loved the world, the fulfillment that so loved the world is fulfilled through the Apostle Paul. There's no sin that had to be dealt with with God. He's not charging no one no sin. If people who were still being charged with sin, nobody will be saved under this grace period. It will not be no grace period because God will still be charging you with sin and he will be, and he will be wiping people out. And the only way God can charge you with sin if you us was under the law. But we're not under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law under this dispensation, not the kingdom program, which many churches are trying to follow today. Jesus fulfilled the law under the ministry of Paul. That's why the promises to the, under the grace program is better than much better than Israel's kingdom program to make Israel jealous. OK, this is Joseph Brownlee, man. This is this is going on two hours, and you just cannot explain this in 15, 30, 40 minutes. I am uh, I don't need to apologize because I know I can get long-winded, but I'm just trying to help people that's listening in the best way I can. Connecting the dots. If you are saved, go to Connecting the Dots. Remember, there's many Gospels in the Bible. You have the Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven, Israel. You have the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20 and 24. The Gentiles and everybody else. That's Jews and Gentiles, mainly Gentiles. The gospel, which is under Paul. Again, the program was mostly preached by Jesus' earthly ministry and the 12. 
the gospel of the grace of God for the Gentiles, grace, I mean, faith alone, is the apostle Paul, the body of Christ, the new creature that we are under today. See, remember, Israel had the signs and wonders. They had, they had to be circumcised. They went to all They are the born again kingdom church. That term born again, they are the kingdom church. If you use that today, it's, it's nothing wrong. That's just on you. But if you want to keep it in the context and, and, you know, stuff like that, the born again church is Israel. The new creature church is, since a couple of thousand years ago, is the body of Christ. We are new creatures. We're not born again. We was traditionally taught that being born again, you know, off one little simple. How many times born again is mentioned in the Bible period? A couple of times. Nicodemus, I think Peter mentioned it or whatever like that. Only a few times. Paul never mentioned born again, period. Because we're not born again. We are the new creature. Paul mentions the body of Christ. See, you ever thought about that? You would think born again been mentioned all over the Bible. No, it wasn't. See, for a reason. Born again wasn't even a means for salvation for Israel. No, it wasn't. It was just meaning rejuvenation and stuff like that because they was God's firstborn. You see what I'm saying? They have to, if you go through different you'll see that term, Israel, God's firstborn, first son. You know, it's different terms that is used. They rebelled, so that's why they have to be born again. They have to be rebirthed. But if you use that as, un as understand, I, I get it. Uh, I see grace teachers, they, they got it to the key on everything else. But what they a lot of grace teachers still get messed up on is born again and also the world being forgiven. They have an issue with that. And I believe that's because of their denominational traditional teaching. They just can't see the world being forgiven without being saved. Because it, 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 you still got that stuff that is something you have to do for salvation. It ain't about you. It's what Jesus done. That's why you can't handle it. Some people can't handle it now. That makes me more happy now that I can tell a person your sins is not the problem. Now let me tell you how to be reconciled since your sins out the way. But <sighs> the flesh is something. Okay. Body of Christ, real talk. Joseph Brown, I love you all. Hope you got something out of that. And all the teachings that I have been doing, trying to make it plain and simple for you. Okay, now you need to focus more on being the body of Christ, being the new creature and being the believer more than the term Christianity or the term Christian or just say you Christ like or Christ follower that will bring up most of the time a conversation, I believe, at least some of the times people say, what you mean Christ like? What's this, the difference between being Christ like? Or Christ followed them being a Christian, then there, there you go. That's your chance to witness to them. You can explain it to them. See, traditional, traditional, traditionally way, traditional way of saying Christian is wore out. I'm not saying you don't use it, but it's wore out. Many people, mostly a lot of the unsaved people or the people think they're saved, they're self-saved, call themselves Christian. And the Bible only uses the Christians just like born again only a few times. You would think it's all in the Bible, but it's not. <clears throat> but tradition and Satan and manipulated is so bad. <clears throat> you would think you have to have a doctorate's degree in, in Christianity and saying you're born again. It makes you, it sounds so good and beautiful, man. 
people want to stay in the kingdom program because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles and Pentecostal like the speaking in the tongues and languages and the thing the way God moves. They like that. that that's what I'm, they like that flat they and everything. But you notice they like those things. They don't want to deal with the law though. And I'm gonna leave you with this. If you consider yourself a kingdom builder, whatever that means, like a lot of people talk about, or the kingdom message, Acts 2. If you were to Acts 238 gospel teacher, you're cherry picking certain things. You know you are. Because in order for you to follow the kingdom program and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're putting yourself under the law. There's no other way. You can't take that away. You can't separate the program. You can't separate the law. That means you got to follow all 613 laws. Boom. Okay, you just like you're saying, you, you are, you're a Jew, you're Israel. You, you put yourself under a covenant that no man was able to bear. You, you follow one, you see what I'm saying? A lot of churches are putting you back in bondage, which God, Jesus died to get you out of that bondage, and you walking right back in. That's why Paul was so angry. At Peter and so angry at these Judaizers that's trying to get the Gentiles to follow the law, which is was postponed. The Gentiles ain't got no business following no law, and us today, we ain't got no business trying to take Israel's mail and follow Israel's law and try to get Israel's blessings and try to get the signs and wonders because we was traditionally taught that way. Now, you hear me today, it's up to you. It's all going to fall on you. You either believe it or accept it, or you don't. And you're going to find out who was writing sooner or later. But don't send nobody to hell and have nobody cause to go to hell because of your traditional belief of Acts 238 for salvation, which is not in play for today. We're not John 316 churches. We're Romans 1625 church. See? We don't have to confess our sins. Our sins have already been forgiven, past, present, and future, under this dispensation, under this administration. We don't have to repent of sins. And not, repent of sins is not, repenting means change your mind. We don't have to do none of that. That don't mean that gives us a license to sin. Of course not. See, that's why real believers just not going to go get back in sin. They might struggle. With certain habits, I understand that, but just go practice and living like hell and say, no, it don't, it don't work like that. You ain't fooling God. My point is, why would you go back? Why would you go to something you never was under anyway? Why would you try to fulfill something you was never under anyway? No Gentile was never under no covenant or no law. Why would you want to go back to the law? See, that's what I mean, you cherry picking. You want the blessings of the kingdom program, but you don't want the curses. You are trying to condemn you when you preaching in your church, whatever denomination you in, when you putting down people in your church with dress codes and makeup and stuff like that, you preaching the law, you preaching God, you preaching hard law, not great. You making people stay sin conscious because that's all you preach. You telling them they got to live a certain clean life. They be right with God. You are in error. You listen to these super so-called preachers that sound good. Even though they, their scriptures are out of context. And if they are in context, it's in the wrong dispensation. 
they are correct to what they're saying, but we are not under that program. And they are not either. But it's more, give them more authority, makes them look good. So when they preach condemnation, you know, they down this person, they down this person, they down this woman, they down makeup, they down this and everything, whatever like that. They hit pause uh, only when it comes to modesty for the women and women keeping quiet in church. Most uh, holiness and Pentecostal church love tearing it up when it comes to that. That's when the majority of the time they hit pause letters when it comes to something about condemning or checking or dress code or makeup. See, they start calling, I've seen this minister start calling women whores and hookers because they weigh makeup. You an error, brother. You an error. Someone that God loves, and you call them whores because they wear makeup. Now, I, it's a lot of wildness going on in churches. Some people, some women, and some men, they act, they, they, they tear the church up. Yes, they act like hookers or they dress like, I understand that. But when it just counts, a, a woman wearing makeup, and you call them a whore because she wear makeup? And you got your whole flock agreeing with everything you said. You probably know. You probably know what brother I'm talking about. If he's a brother in Christ, you know, we're about the same age. You got this type of voice. Sound like you're 70 years old. So yeah, it's just you need to be careful. You have the name called, and these people God loves. I ain't not. I ain't talking about the world. God loves everybody, but everybody got a certain penalty they gonna have to go through. But you down in another believer and you think they're not saved because they believe a certain way and they don't believe like you. You're going to hell. That's the same people. You're going to hell. Man, you talking like you God, man. You ain't got no hell or no heaven to put nobody, man. Or a woman that preaches that way. You ain't got no hell or heaven to put nobody. We are under grace. God is going to deal with all this stuff. But right now, he's not dealing with sin now the way you want him to. You know more than God and God. You know more about the word of God than who the uh, the ones that was uh, led by the Holy Spirit that wrote it. You, Some of these people talk like they know more than them. That bugs me. The flesh gets in the way. I'm, I'm going to leave you with that. Don't get, stop getting confused with the Gospels. I, I don't have too much to tell you. It's up to you to believe, okay? God bless you, body of Christ, real talk. This is Joseph Brownlee. Until then, I know I was long-winded, but I hope it helps you out, and I'm sorry about that. You know, I apologize because I am long-winded, but I hope for the ones that got the patience to listen, you can turn it off and listen to it later on, but you know, I love you all, and I hope you got something out of it, you know, about the difference between the Gospels and the Bible. Until next time, love you all. Peace out. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.